five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We fight for direct marketing and direct mail every day. Thanks to the new members. We're getting some new members, and uh, that's really great. So, And I'm getting messages from LinkedIn and Facebook. If you're watching live, give me a message. And, um, and especially if you're watching on YouTube, and subscribe over there on YouTube. I think I got like 300 subscribers or something, which is better than I expected. <laughs> anyway, so let's, uh, here's an interesting, I think it's interesting. You know, you never know with, that, with this stuff. But I think it's interesting. Here's a, uh, a guy who was at the PGA Tour. That was like a week and a half ago. And everybody else over here, everybody else has got their... Has got this their, weekend... Oops, has got their uh, cell phones out. And this guy's got his... Just got his beer. Okay? And he's watching Tiger Woods. And it's, an, it's a Michelob Ultra. Now... Eh, you know, I was wondering if that was maybe Photoshop, because if you look at the way people hold their phones versus the way they hold their beer, you know, I don't know. I'm not necessarily buying it 100 percent that that guy's just standing there with a beer and got his phone in his pocket because everybody basically Tiger Woods is right there is uh, is got their phone out. But let's. Give them the benefit of the doubt. So let's see what what, what Mick at the PGA did Championships. A photo went viral. Okay, they actually gave him his own line of apparel <laughs> and tickets to future events in exchange for using his image. You know, he's I guess a regular guy. He's got a Nike hat on, so I don't know if Nike's going to pay him anything or not. Of everyone holding their cell phones, except for one guy, just watching over, holding his beer instead, taking in the moment. And Michelob Ultra has already turned that into an ad online because you know what? There's nothing like holding your beer and being off your phone once in a while. Yeah, that's okay, you know? So anyway, I just thought I'd start with that because uh, he kind of looked like a regular guy, and it's a, way to, it's a way to turn social media into ads. And, you know, since he's holding it with two hands, I mean, everybody else is pretty much holding their phone. This guy's got two hands on it, but everybody else is kind of, you know... <laughs> and he's got ultra right at the front there. So that worked out for them. Okay, let's get over to the real news. And we're going to talk about CRM today. And um, sometimes in a light way, I say to people, you know, I invented CRM. And um, they laugh at me. But what, what did happen, the reality is, is that we were working with a, a company called Prior Computer. And we were trying to introduce less expensive ways to acquire customers and follow up customers, especially smaller customers, because they had a they had a sales force. This was in 1981, 82 in there. And a lot of companies, a lot of business to business companies only had uh, only had field sales. OK, and I had actually worked at a distributing company just prior to becoming a marketing consultant. And my boss went to uh, a telephone seminar and he was he, he came back and he said, we need to be calling our customers. I want you to set that up, John. And I had worked in printing prior to that and had some graphic design background or something, some capability. And so uh, we 
actually created mailing programs and phone programs for our customers. Now, we were a tiny little company, and so I did most of it. And I realized that one of the, one of the faults of the program was that I could call somebody and talk about our, our business and our products and hang up the phone, and they could call right back and go to our order processing people and I would lose in the entire credit for the for the call. It would go right straight to whoever's territory it was in, and I would get no no credit whatsoever. So I knew there was problems with just doing phone by itself with the sales force or mail, you know, because I would mail them out and 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 again, um, the the order went to the salesperson. So I was overhead. I was marketing overhead, and they were getting commissions on these sales. And so I knew there had to be a better way. So in the early 80s, we invented or we crafted, I crafted, this idea of integrated marketing. And I'll t talk about it later. But I think that it has some merit today. And so I was, <laughs> I was searching and searching all over my computers to find where in the heck my diagrams and stuff went but we'll so we'll first we'll talk about um we'll talk about the oops that's the wrong one we got to get the you know every day i have challenges with this stuff here we go cookieless crm okay so here's an article about crm i think you can see it now i can't but you probably can okay and um this is by Mandar Shide. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if his LinkedIn gives me the pronunciation, but for those of you who don't know, when you go to my profile, for example, there's a little speaker next to my name, and you can press it, and it says Miglash, John Miglash. <laughs> and so you know how to pronounce the name if you go to that trouble. So if I call this, this gentleman, I probably would go to that trouble. Okay. Cookieless future calls for reinvestment in customer relationship management. Now, a couple of things before we start. One is that relationship management is a funny kind of sort of oxymoron sort of sort of concept. Um, you know, if I tell my if I bring home flowers for my wife and she says, "Whoa, that's so nice. There's no occasion. What's what's up?" And I say, "Well, I'm practicing." Relationship management. She'd still like the flowers, but she'd say, what? You know, well, I'm managing. I'm making sure that our relationship is managed. <laughs> well, the truth is, a relationship, you know, is a little more fluid and dynamic than that. I don't think most customers have, consider vendors in a relationship with them. I think they have, they have, they have, Vendors they do business with, and then they, you know, and that is how it works. So anyway, um, but but Mondar has broken customer relationship into or or whatever CRM into the upper funnel, the mid funnel, and the bottom of the funnel, and I think that's very valid. And um, I did not come up with the funnel. Vic Hunter, my boss, he had the funnel. I just came up with the way to make sure that the attribution was more solid than it had been. And th that's actually what hit, what this article is about. It's about um, with cookies at the start, 
you know, when you're attracting, trying to attract customers, you have, you're working with zero party data. Okay. You don't have any real data. Okay. And you don't have first party data. And uh, so what you do, and this is really great down here, then you have conversion where someone raises their hand and says, I'll give you my name, but I haven't bought anything yet. And, you know, maybe they, they, maybe like, like we tell everybody, my actual article about integrated marketing from way back in the dawn of time will be available after this up on the WDMA website. And you just have to go there and subscribe. And to do that, you go to WDMA join and there's a free option and there is no obligation. And that's, you know, that's part of, we'll also tell you about golf weddings and other stuff. Okay. Loyalty cycle. A customer has made a purchase, but the enterprise has yet to make a repeat purchase, cross sell or upgrade. Okay. And most of them don't do much with that. Right. So here's what I liked. Pre-registration translates to upper funnel. Google and Facebook are beneficiaries because basically you tell them the kind of people you're after and they tell you that they did it. They assure you that that's what these people are and they did a great job. Okay. And then first purchase translates to Salesforce and MailChimp because you're going to keep pounding on them with email and stuff trying to get them to order again. And loyalty translates to lower funnel, Facebook Messenger, and customer.com are beneficiaries, okay, in, this, in the digital world. So most providers' activation channels are not locked into a, a part of the, the funnel. The impact of privacy, however, has been felt at the top of the funnel, where customer data is being limited to cross-domain identity, you know. And so because of that, you know, when you could say, well, I want people that went to fly fishing websites and I want people that went to financial websites let's say and I also want people that went to international travel websites well you can do that okay but then how do you contact them you can do banner ads you can get Google and Facebook to, to find those kind of people okay but as third-party cookies go away now will they go away I don't know I read a lot of articles that say they're not going away but the hard fact is Mandar gets right 30% of the internet blocks cross-domain trackers. 40% of the internet limits cross-domain trackers to seven days. And I almost always use those. I use Decenter as my main browser, which is a Chrome, which is a which is a Brave derivative, which was a Chrome derivative, but it's even has less tracking than Brave does. So anyway, it works really well. It's really lightweight uh, and it it really runs well. Um, but even if the cookies aren't gone, they're being severely limited. And what does that mean? It means that the enterprise has little idea about customers they bring to their site. Okay? They rely on Facebook and Google to drive a customer. And when a customer engages, signals are passed back to Google and Facebook, enabling them to understand how, I wouldn't say understand, enable them to do a model on how to tune the upper funnel to have the most optimal spend. Right, unless it's all bots. And typically, this is the most significant spend. But the problem is there's no easy way to identify a customer on the Internet anymore. This is really powerful. This, this, you know, people are saying, well, I don't understand what the loss of cookies mean. I didn't trust that anyway. Yeah, but Google and Facebook use that. 
and they and they use anything they can get their hands on and they can they can model on thousands of variables and they get basically single signal noise but they'll tell you that it's it's absolutely valid and you have to trust them whatever it is <clears throat> so most customers then in mid funnel start to email but that's getting limited by CCPA and of course by GDPR in the UK you can't just i mean in the EU UK too okay so this is where you try to build trust and then lower lower funnel loyalty uh becomes product led and um and the problem is is that yeah i mean you need this you need you need to think like this to some extent but i don't think this is maybe the right way to think of it uh and i understand this is mainly consumer marketing and mondar says you're already losing 30 to 35 percent of your growth return on investment and you're likely not remarketing to your existing consenting customers that's also true so let's go over to let's go over to see what this is the this is the real article but what i've done is i've actually distilled off the diagrams and um so we'll just talk about the diagrams so as we were trying to integrate and i was talking with a, a potential client on Friday no on Thursday and um, we talked about this very thing we're not going to get into it too much detail because I'm already too late but integrated mail field customer maintenance model and it doesn't have to be mail phone field it can be any three levels of spend that would run on the on the um, CRM funnel and remember this was developed in the 80s so we pioneered a lot of this stuff and it went from uh, prior corporation and then we implemented it in at deluxe check up in Minneapolis and then we implemented it at 3m and then from there I didn't wasn't involved anymore but um, Vic implemented it at HP and at HP um, at the same time Tom Siebel was at HP uh, doing consulting and then he came out with um, the CRM idea and <laughs> sold his company for two billion or something. So we we probably didn't leverage it as much as we should have at the time, but I but we were definitely before that the CRM moniker was developed. But anyway, <clears throat> so you generate your leads and then you schedule. Um, oops, is this the right page? Yeah, scheduled contact, and um, and you can repeat the calls. You call them until they're ready to talk to a sales force, okay? And when and then the sales force can say, well, they're not ready to buy, and so they can then reschedule phone calls. And the whole thing can keep going in in and out and around, um, and until you make a sale. And you can make a sale on the phone, or you can make a sale on the on the sales force, but you always have an idea of who they are and that's the main point at this level right and you can always keep track of the source of the leads and um, again and you also have tracking of the performance of the follow-up and how well that's handled and you also have then a graded performance before it goes to the field so that you can also manage your field sales follow-up and um, Wonderful little model, worked like crazy. 
And then what we did was we turned the, um, we took that model and integrated it into a customer follow-up model where we would do renewals and requalifications for new products, et cetera, and bring that in. And then what it looked like, here it is, if you can, I don't know if you can read this, but here's the first end. This one and this one keeps going until the sale, if it's a qualified customer, finding new people at the same company, et cetera, primarily business to business. And here is the long-term customer maintenance model. And so they go down over here, and then they can bop back into the system over here if it's for a new product or whatever. We can send mail. We can send calls. We can send the field sales out to talk about the new stuff. And so <clears throat> I'm going to heartily agree with Mondar, but um, he doesn't really get to the system that he proposes. And so um, if you're more interested in talking about the system, um, on Thursday we spent an hour. I spent an hour with a prospective client and said, you know, you need to be thinking like this. You need to be thinking about a heuristic system that gets smarter and smarter and smarter. Why? Why should you? Well, because that's the way direct marketing works. Can't fail if you're always getting smarter. If you're learning what's working and what's not working, your spend gets better and better and your knowledge gets better and better and your marketing gets better and better. And we covered that a little bit on on uh, Thursday. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.